Hey everybody, good morning and happy Easter. He is risen. We have a lot to celebrate this morning. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in and, uh, and deciding to worship with us today. As we've mentioned before, this is not the way that we want to be worshiping with you, but it's better than nothing. And, um, and my hope and my prayer is that very soon we'll be able to meet with you uh, in this space, in our Connect worship space, uh, in the parish hall, and, and get to see you um, and speak to you not through a screen anymore. Um, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm getting a kind of tired of looking at my, um, either my phone or my laptop or an iPad or however it is that I'm communicating with people now. But um, uh, it is Easter, and like I said, we have a lot to be thankful for, a lot to celebrate, even though right now sometimes it may not seem that way. Um, and there is a plan in place to make our first Sunday back where we are all worshiping together, whenever that is, um, to make that our Easter celebration, our in-person Easter celebration. So I'm so excited about that and so looking forward to that uh, time to worship with all of you. We've decided to do something a little bit different than we've done in the past few weeks where we've had you know, one or two people leading worship. Um, we decided to go back and find some of our favorite songs, our favorite Easter songs from services past and put those together and have that be our worship service because we just feel like Easter is such a celebratory time and we have so much to be thankful for. Um, why not worship with the full band if we can put that together? So I hope you enjoy it. I hope that this is a meaningful time of worship for you and a time where you can connect with God and with those who are sitting around you in your living room or your office or wherever it is you're watching this and have some meaningful time of worship and praise for, uh, for what Christ has done on the cross for us and how that sets us all free. So thanks again for joining us and we hope you enjoy this time of worship and take advantage of it to really connect with God. Yeah. 
Just do. 
Watch as the clouds he rides through. Lift up the sound as he makes our praise his throne. Despite the fact that we're not all meeting in person for worship and having normal weekly events, there is still a ton that your church is doing and a ton that we as Christians can do to help those around us and help those who are in need. Um, so it is just as important now as ever, as you are able. I know that for a lot of folks, this may be an uncertain time financially. I certainly feel that and understand that. But <clears throat> I encourage you to continue to live up to the promise uh, to the, the vows that you made when you became a member at this church, if you are in fact a member, um, to support the church with your prayers, your presence can't really happen right now, although there is um, an expanding view of the word of what it means to be present. Um, your gifts, your service, and your witness, those are still ways that we can uh, support the ministry of the church, and so your gifts are needed now as well. Um, we hope that you will continue to, uh, to live into the pledge that you made last year at the end of the year. Um, there are some ways that you'll see on your screen where you can give online or mail in a check. That's always acceptable as well. Um, thank you so much in advance uh, for supporting and continuing to support the ministry of this church because it is still happening and God is still being served and the kingdom is still being built here on this earth through the ministry that this church provides. So thanks. Let's pray as we get into our offering song. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to, to meet even in this way, as imperfect and impersonal as it may seem. Um, thank you for the fact that your church is still doing ministry, that that has not stopped in this time. And thank you for the ways that we can be involved in that ministry. We, um, we know that you have been so faithful to us over the years and throughout generations, and, and we sing songs about it and we recognize it. So allow us and help us to be faithful to your church as well. Help us to support the ministry that's still going on and the ministry that we hope to do in the future when we are all back in the same place together. Bless our tithes and our offerings as we offer them up to you to be used how you desire and to be used for your kingdom. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.
Well, good morning, folks. Happy Easter to you. We're very grateful to be able to have this opportunity to be here with you this morning. We're going to start off with some scripture today. It's a fairly lengthy piece of scripture, so I want you to try to hang with me, all right? We're going to have the words come up on the screen. We're reading from the book of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. It reads as this, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in it at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. And then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. And finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? 
They have taken away my Lord, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? And thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Now, folks, I want to ask you just to pray with me for a second. Um, just ask God to be here with us in this word and uh, with me as I deliver it to you. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to stand here today alive in your grace, alive in your power because of Resurrection Sunday. And God, today we pray that as we hear your word, um, that you would open our hearts to it, that we'd be able to see you in new ways and be able to see our world like you do. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I don't know about you guys, but as a child growing up, Easter was like one of my favorite things ever. And, um, you know, you wake up in the morning and you go downstairs and without even asking for it, there's this huge basket full of candy and trinkets there for you. And you're like, oh man, this is the best day ever. And then it gets even better because later on in the day, you go over to grandma's house to eat lunch or something like that. And then lo and behold, there's another basket full of candy sitting there again. And you're like, man, this is the best day ever. And, you know, it's always been kind of um, part of my family tradition. And when we were growing up too, that, you know, this trip to grandma's house came after that. And, you know, this whole, whole experience of Easter was this amazing opportunity for us because when I was growing up, spring break always was the week after Easter and things have changed a bit, of course, and, and good Lord now, and what we're dealing with today, we, you know, most of us don't even realize that this past week was spring break. And, um, you know, only reason I probably know that is my wife's a teacher and she didn't have to work this past week. <laughs> but, you know, in this situation that we're dealing with, it's, it's kind of crazy, but of course, you know, Easter always has this sense of joy and family around it. And um, it just always seems to be a, a holiday full of, of all these beautiful things that we, we love and this new life that we celebrate. But this piece of scripture that we're looking at, that first Easter morning didn't have that same kind of feel to it. You know, it was the third day. And Mary Magdalene was going to the tomb and she was going there with spices. And um, they were, she was on her way there because Jesus' body was starting to smell probably. And this is, this is kind of common to the Jewish people at the time. They didn't, they didn't practice embalming like we do now. And so she was going to, their, to the tomb in order to put spices and anoint the body so that it wouldn't smell. If you remember, back to when Jesus resurrected Lazarus and brought him out, you know, when, they, when he looked at them and said, hey, roll away the stone. Everybody was like, no, Jesus, hold on. He's going to smell really bad. I, I love the way the King James Version puts it in that point. He stinketh. And, and it's just, it's crazy to think about. But, you know, here she is and she's there to do this um, 
what we in a lot of ways now would, would feel really uncomfortable, but was pretty a pretty common thing for them. But she shows up there and the stone is already gone. And she's likely thinking that the grave has been robbed. And this is this is not this is not unthinkable because Jesus was famous and kind of infamous in a lot of ways and to a lot of people in there. And this, this whole situation around his crucifixion was really different. You see, most of the time the crucified body would have been left up on the cross and left there to be displayed and to, for people to see and to um, mock continuously. But Joseph of Arimathea, it says in the scriptures that he boldly went to Pilate and he asked for the body of Jesus to be taken down. And so she's probably walking up to this tomb and thinking somebody has stolen this body so that they can take it back out and mock it amongst the people again. And it's her Lord, it's her, her friend, and she's upset in these moments. And so the first thing she does, she goes to take off for the guys who can help her. That's Peter and John. And John, you know, d never describes himself by his own name. He's these, these names like the one that Jesus loved and the other disciple. And so, but that's, that's who you're seeing there. And they both... You know, she goes to them and says, hey, listen, he's gone. And they take off, and they get there to the tomb. And you've got to love um, just the boldness of Peter. You know, John gets there first, but he's just stopped at the door. I mean, it's a weird situation, right? But Peter, man, he's just busting through the door and he gets in there and he's looking at everything. And, you know, there's, there's the grave clothes and the, the linen that would go over his face. And, you know, this whole situation is just, it's, it's uncanny. You know, it's, it's trying to figure out what's happening here. It's like Obi-Wan on the Death Star. You know, he's gone, but he, all of his clothes are still there. And, you know, they have the same mindset. You know, there's, there's got to be something going on. And so they take off. And I don't know, you know maybe they're taking off um, to go find the other disciples, to talk to them about it, to figure out what they might need to do. Maybe it's a situation, too, where they themselves are scared. Because the people that came and, and took Jesus might be coming to get them as well. Um, obviously, they've been with him. They've been around. Um, and so they know that these guys, they're not people to play with. We don't know, but they take off. And it's not, it's not this great situation either. Because they take off and they leave Mary Magdalene there at the tomb by herself. I mean, it's not very chivalrous of them in any kind of way. But she's there in the garden alone. And she's weeping. And in these moments, you know, she's got to be feeling distraught. Not only has the person that she's put all of her faith in for some time been, been taken from her life in, in the crucifixion, but now he's been taken um, and he's been disrespected. His body's been dishonored. It's the way that she's thinking about it. But these guys who took off, they just missed it because something absolutely amazing happens. And we have this encounter with these two angels. And folks, angels are just weird, you know, in some sort of way. Every time you see one, people fall on their faces and they're afraid and they say, don't be afraid. But this situation is different. It's really different than what we see about angels in the rest of the place. And they ask this question that um, just seems really pointed in the midst of this. You know, if they're angels and they're, they're powerful and, and hopefully smart, but they like, woman, why are you weeping? And maybe it's sarcasm or maybe it's not, but, you know, her response, they've taken away my Lord. And as soon as she says it, she turns around and there's this man there in the garden. She doesn't recognize him in any kind of way. And he asks her the same question, woman, why are you crying? 
Who are you looking for? And there's this, this little piece of, of the, that scripture that, um, you know, I don't know about you, but there are times in my life when I read scripture and I just don't pay a lot of attention to um, some details. And then years later, I look at it and I see something that I've never seen before or something pops out at me in a new way. And as I was studying for today, this, this piece of, of the scripture popped out and she said, it, you know, she thought that it was the gardener. And he must have just looked like a typical person. It's early in the morning, okay? It's the third day, first thing. You know, he's there in the garden. Who else is going to be in the garden early in the morning like that when nobody else is around to look at stuff except the person who works in the garden? So she asked, hey, if you carried him away, tell me where he is. And the idea that Jesus would come back from the grave and he would just look like a gardener just doesn't seem to fit this Eastern narrative that we're kind of used to imagining in some sort of ways. You know, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but, um, you know, I think about like the, the movie versions of this where there's a stone in front of the cave and it starts to roll away and there's like beams of light that are coming out of it. And, you know, there's this, there's an earthquake, which of course the, the scripture in the book of Matthew does mention that. And, um, angels show up, which we've already talked about, but it's not like angels just sitting on a bench saying, woman, why are you crying? It's like, there are angels like, you know, it's like Christmas and there's angels everywhere and all this kind of stuff. And it's, it just feels like there's this amazing, powerful thing happening on Easter. But we get to this, this moment where you might expect like the super Jesus to walk out of the tomb and nah, it's just, you know, it's just him hanging out there in a pair of overalls and a straw hat. You know, he just looks like the gardener. And his appearance has to be different because she doesn't recognize him. And he's definitely not wearing his Easter Sunday best. He's just there. You know, Jesus has been mistaken all throughout Scripture, though. All throughout the story, he's been mistaken. He was expected to be a king, but he ends up just being a homeless rabbi. He was expected to be a warrior, but he was so much more interested in peace than in war. He was expected to lead and to conquer, but he was there to serve and to restore. They didn't expect him to be a gardener. And we don't either today. We don't expect that, but that's really what he is. He's a gardener. Now, I've never had much of a green thumb and uh, you can ask my wife, we own two pothos plants in our house. Um, we've managed to keep them alive for almost two years. And that's really saying something because I don't know how many other plants I've always wanted to be you know, good at that, but I basically have killed everything else that we've had. Um, and granted the pothos plant is almost impossible to kill, but we've come close a few times. Um, but skilled gardeners, master gardeners are incredible people. And the art that they produce is amazing. But their characteristics, their personalities are, are extraordinary. They're not afraid to get dirty in any kind of way. They get their hands all down in it. They, they dig stuff up. They're, they're in the mix all the time. They have in their mind that there's this beautiful outcome that's going to come down the road, but they can't see it. They have tons of faith. They have tons of expectation. They cultivate, they tend, 
they water, they fertilize, and they prune until their masterpiece comes to life and it blooms for all of us to see and to all of us to enjoy. But fruit and seeds of new life that comes from their toil and from their work, and then they start it all over again. It's a never-ending process where they're continuing to expand and continue to make things grow. And that sounds a little bit like Jesus, right? He's definitely not afraid to get down and dirty with us. He's not afraid to, to get into the flower bed of our lives, even to the point that he set aside his divinity and he took on the nature, the dirt that we're made of himself to come and to be with us. He's obviously got more faith in us than we deserve. And he sees something in each and every one of our futures. His work through the Holy Spirit, it works to cultivate our lives with experiences and opportunities to, to grow and to, to develop into who he has seen us to be. He pours living water into our souls. And when we're thirsty and when we're struggling, he gives us that cool cup of water that allows us to, to grow and to live. Yes, he uh, applies fertilizer to our lives. And I think Paul talks about this a little bit in Romans chapter 5 when he says that our suffering, it produces perseverance and that perseverance produces character and that character ends up with hope. The fertilizer may not smell very good. It's made of things that are rotten, that are, are well, they stinketh. Those things, though, go into our lives and they give us the the nutrients and the, the baselines that we need to grow and to become who we're supposed to be. And so he allows us to walk through suffering because he knows that that fertilizer of that in our life is going to produce hope in who we are. Just like the suffering that he went through on the cross produced hope in the resurrection for all of us. We experience the pruning that he applies to us, this reshaping of our lives. He told a parable about the abiding in him and being in the workmanship of the vine dresser. And as long as we stay in him, he's pruning and he's um, molding us into who he wants to be. And fruit comes from his spirit, the seeds of new life and his work through us in the Holy Spirit. Folks, I'm pretty sure that Mary didn't mistake Jesus as a gardener. It just wasn't exactly what she was probably expecting. But as Adam was given a garden to tend in creation, Jesus is given another garden. You know, in the scripture and the theology, we look at Jesus as a second Adam, as, as the man who came in the first Adam who, who destroyed us and, and put us into a place of sin. Jesus comes back as a second Adam. It says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And so the garden that, that Adam tended and failed in is now replaced by a garden where Jesus is standing and he has succeeded and he is victorious. And so he's restored life. He's paid the wages for our sin and he's broken the power of death in his resurrection. It's a new time, a new garden. And folks, we may mistake Jesus for a lot of different things in our lives. 
Some of us have mistaken him for a train conductor who's punching tickets to another destination. You know, he's, he came to work for us so that we can get on a train and live our lives and go to someplace else when it's all over. And there is some truth to that, and there's truth to that idea, but that's so less of a view of who he is. Some folks may see him as a lawyer, he's getting out of jail. He's, he's going to the judge for a plea deal bargain with his really angry dad so that we, we have a, a, a better chance at, at making it. And not only did he, he's not our lawyer, he's going to the judge, he literally stood in our place so that we could be set free and not have to be in that, in that position at all. And sometimes we just see him like a plastic surgeon. He takes all of our flaws, reconstructs us into the picture, not of what he thinks, but into what we think we ought to look like. The right clothes, the right image, the right look, the righteousness that everyone around us sees. And on the outside, we look great, but on the inside, we're still just as, as messed up as we've ever been. And although he may do surgery on our lives, it's not for our image that he would be a surgeon. It's to restore the image that God put in us back to what he intended. So no, Jesus, he's a gardener. And I think he knows his garden well. So he looks at Mary there in the garden and he says just one word, her name, Mary. And her eyes open up and she realizes who he is. And folks, resurrection is all about our relationship to this gardener, the one who has come to set us free, and sometimes it's in ways that we don't expect. You may have been expecting to be sitting in church today in your Sunday best, maybe even your Easter Sunday best, like even, even a notch higher, right? But it's likely now that you're sitting in your living room in your pajamas. And Easter is not necessarily what you might have expected. You might have gotten that basket full of candy this morning, but life isn't really looking like a basket full of candy everywhere else right now. But the power that you can experience today has no more to do with the way that you're dressed or the circumstances in, that you're in than it does with the way that Jesus appeared that day in the garden. He just looked like the gardener, but in his heart, that's what he is. He's the one who plants. He's the one who cultivates and maintains life for you and for me. So I encourage you today to listen for your name as he says it to you. We may not understand what's happening all around us and things don't look normal but when he speaks your name and that relationship is engaged and opened and you realize who he is, you can allow the resurrection life and the resurrection power that he has for you to come in. And it changes us because we let him do the work that a good gardener does. So I want to encourage you to allow him to cultivate your life. Allow him to help you grow and allow him to make you feel alive today. In Jesus' name, amen.
sorrow and dead in my sin. Lost without hope, no place to begin. Your love made a way to let mercy come in. When death was arrested,
Folks, we hope you have an amazing Easter today. Hope you get to spend some time with your family, whether it's uh, there right around you or on Zoom or a Google Meet or something along those lines. But most of all, we hope that you experience the resurrection power of Jesus as he speaks your name today. We love you.